Okay, Bokir Tov, good morning. Good we morning. continue our fantastic study of Amuna. And I want to learn this week a piece with you from the Chalban. We've seen him before. We've been rotating what we've been learning. If you recall, the Chalban of Chaim Cohen is this um, extraordinary man in Yerushalayim, Ere Kodesh. The milkman works in a cheese factory, humble, clean-shaven, looks ordinary, and was discovered to actually be a, uh, not only a great uh, scholar, a great Kabbalist, and uh, now they're very, um, very much publishing and promoting his, uh, his wonderful Divrei Torah. So this comes from his Sefer Talalei Chaim on the Parsha, and it's the beginning of Vayikra. And I share it with you, because and we spoke about this in the Parsha class a little bit yesterday, that Sefer Vayikra in particular, people feel really um, is irrelevant to them. Sefer Vayikra was known by the name Torah's Kawanim because it deals primarily with the laws of the priests, it's the detailed, minutiae, tedious laws of sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and it just seems so um, archaic, maybe even barbaric, but certainly it seems very inaccessible or irrelevant to our lives. We don't have the base of Migdash, tragically. We don't have a Mishkan. We don't really identify with the idea of, you know, you turn the light on by accident on Shabbos, and now you have to go to the base of Mikdash, and you have to buy an animal, and you have to offer it as a korban chatos, b'shogeg, and all the different sacrifices that have to be brought based on different circumstances. We don't really relate to it. And so it's hard to read these parshios and feel inspired by them. And yet, they are part, they're one-fifth of our sacred Torah. Sefer Vayikra is a full book of our Torah. Clearly it has relevance, and it has uh, resonance and messages that are timeless. So our challenge is to extract those lessons from it to see what we can learn. So in the Parsha class yesterday, we spoke about the idea of always uh, having salt on the table. Whenever you have bread, you dip it in salt or you use salt with your bread. And that comes from this week's Parsha because Korbonos had bris melach. You always had to have a sacrifice on the altar was always with, uh, was always with salt. And uh, the beautiful um, symbolism of what salt represents, salt is a great preserver, but salt can also decay. And uh, how salt is different than honey, and bread, carbon can never be offered with honey, couldn't be offered with leaven, but had to be offered with salt. And we talked about the symbolism of these things. And there's an example where it appears in Sefer Vayikra, and it seems totally outdated. And yet, it is the basis of the custom. The Ramah writes that we continue this custom to always have salt with bread. And it's not a custom which is reserved for Shabbos, even though most people mistakenly think that it's only only for Shabbos. It's every time you have bread all week long, you should have the bread with salt. And the symbolism and the covenant, the bris, with the... Uh, with the salt. Anyway, that's all the Parsha share. You can listen actually, listen online to the Parsha share if you want. But today I want to focus on a different aspect of the Parsha that relates to our topic of Emuna and, uh, and how we can grow from the Parsha even when it seems to be somewhat inaccessible to us. So here the Chalban writes the following. Chaim Khan writes the following. Kayadua, Haschalos HaSefer Uviyichud HaMila HaRishona as is known, the beginning of the book, and particularly the first word, Ushmoshel HaSefer, the name of the book, Gonzim Bikirbam is Kotamtsis Shalkol HaSefer Kulo. The first word of the book, certainly the title of the book, has hidden within it the essence of the entire book. Bracious is all about Bracious. To know what beginnings is all about. Shmos names. What is it about the story of our birth as a, uh, a family into a nation in the book of Exodus that is expressed through the word shmos, names. Why is names the theme of that book? Well, Vayikra, the opening word and the title of the book, has hidden within it the entire essence, the theme of the book, says the Chaban. So therefore, in the first 
verses, and certainly in the word Vayikra, hidden in that word, in that word, excuse me, is all of the inner essence of the theme of this book. We will try with the grace of God. Try to understand this. We pointed out yesterday also in the Parsha class, though we didn't have time to get into it in depth, that in that word Vayikra, if you open a Sefer Torah, or you open a stone Chumash, an article stone Chumash, you will see, they preserve it correctly, that the Aleph of the word Vayikra is small. It's what's known as an Aleph Zeira, a small Aleph. And of course, everybody immediately jumps on it to wonder why. When the font is different, you wonder why. What is its message? And we mentioned yesterday the Kliyakar, Rav Lunchitz writes that the reason the Aleph is small is it corresponds with the Jewish custom that children begin learning Chumash with Vayikra. And we talked about yesterday, why would you possibly start teaching children with Vayikra? It is so boring and tedious and difficult and unrelatable. It's the last book. It, we don't, it, it was a custom, certainly through Europe and the Cheder movement and maybe certain parts. I don't think in our contemporary day schools... Correct. In our contemporary day schools, I don't know that we do that. Although maybe, I don't know, maybe when they give the Chumash, you learn like one Pasuk from Vayikra just to symbolically hold on to that tradition. But certainly in Eastern Europe and in Chadarim still today, there are many who preserve that custom to begin from Vayikra. And we talked about yesterday why, why that would be. Why would you possibly, what's the message to start teaching children from Vayikra? So you have the small Aleph. So says uh, the Chaban, we can learn what this book is really all about from its opening word, its name. And we can learn even more from the fact that there's this small Aleph. We're in the second paragraph. To begin with, These are the opening verses of the book of Vayikra. God summoned, He called to Moshe. And God spoke to him, saying, Speak to the Jewish people and communicate to them. Adam, a person who seeks to offer from themselves a sacrifice to God. The way you offer it is from your cattle, is from your animals. Here, the very beginning of the parsha, the very beginning of this third book of the Torah, we see the awakening within a person, the desire, the craving, the longing to get close to Hashem. Adam when a person wants to, he doesn't say it here, but Rav Hirsch points out, the root of the word karbon is karov. You want to draw close to Hashem. So, you know, so many people who dismiss karbonos as being antiquated, outdated, irrelevant. Um, there was a controversial uh, blogger who, who wrote an article uh, a couple years ago about how he praised that you know, there won't be a third temple with Karbanos because they're so, uh, you know, he's an animal rights person and it's so whatever. And, um, and, and they missed the point. You know, Karbanos was not about randomly, um, for no reason, taking an animal, animal in some barbaric way and slaughtering it. The idea of the Karban is that every one of us is made up of two parts. We have an animal inside us. I'm sure we've spoken about this before. There's the animal impulse, the animal instinct, the animal desire. And then we have a godly soul. We have a godly spirit. The animal inside us says, eat the chocolate cake. Who cares? Sleep in. It doesn't matter. Say what you want to say. The animal, an animal follows its impulse. 
An animal has no self-awareness. An animal has no discipline. An animal has no mindfulness. An animal does what it wants and craves to do at that moment. And we, on the one hand, are animals. We have the anatomy of animals. We have biologically so much in common with animals. And even within our spirit, we have an animal soul, which is that same animal consciousness that has an impulse and just follows what it wants to do at that moment, with whom it wants to do it, where it wants to do it, with disregard for who owns whatever they're about to eat or whether that other animal's in a relationship with someone else or anything else. Uh, the animal just follows its temptation. But at the same time, we have a tzelem elokim. We are a godly soul. We are a soul that has a body. We are Tzalem Elokim. And God is the epitome of discipline. God is the epitome of self-control. God doesn't have temptation. God doesn't struggle with desire. God is the, just, is what's right to be. And we have that capacity because we have a godly soul. We have that capacity inside us as well. Every single day, almost every moment of every single day of our lives is a battle, is a war waging between those two components of who we are. Every time you see the food that you shouldn't eat and you're tempted to eat it, and you have that great gossip that you really want to share but you shouldn't share, and you have the opportunities, the choices, every moment of every day, are you going to give in to the temptation of the animal or are you going to be disciplined and transcend and be the godly soul? So our first says, you know what a carbon is? You come into the base of Mikdash with the animal, you stand before God, you slaughter the animal and you say to God, I am hereby slaughtering the animal inside me. I have an animal impulse, a desire, a temptation. I'm killing this animal. It's a symbol of killing the animal in me that led me to make the mistake for which I am here to atone. I came here to atone and ask forgiveness for something I've done wrong. What led me to that mistake, to that shortcoming, to that indiscretion, was that I followed the animal voice inside me instead of promoting the godly soul. And so I symbolically come here and slaughter this animal to say, I'm killing the animal in me. And Refersh takes this metaphor further. And Refersh says, you know, you sprinkle the blood because blood represents the passion. And you uh, burn the fats because fats represent indulgences. And you have the wine libations. And you have the water. Every component of the sacrifices has to do with aspects of our lives that you're symbolically making these gestures which are transformational to us as a result. And what's the result of this entire exercise? This korban is that you're karov. You walk away feeling closer to God. God, I've made a pledge. I've made a tribute to you. I've killed the animal in me. I'm going to do more to emulate you. I want to repair and restore the relationship I have with you. I want to be close to you. So karbanos are not something that are archaic, arcane, barbaric. We should pray not to revisit. You know, if you wear leather shoes, you're sitting on a leather chair right now, or leather seats in your car, or certainly if you eat steak for dinner... Then, then offering the carbon and transforming yourself through it is no less meaningful than the fur coat or the leather shoes or leather belt that you wear. Um, so, so says the Chaban here, Chaim Kohn, the opening psukim, Adam ki yakrev mikem. Right, he bolded those words. Adam. It doesn't say ish, it says Adam. You want to fulfill your purpose in being created? You want to go back to Adam Arishon? You want to be an Adam? Ki yakrev mikem. Have the capacity to draw close. Ki yakrev crave to be close to Hashem, want to feel Hashem's presence. We see here the, the arousal of the desire in man to get close to Hashem. The Jewish people are supposed to be thirsty, supposed to be hungry and long. You know, towards the end of the fast, when your palate is dry and your mouth feels sticky, and like, all you want is a drink. You just want a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee. My kids know at the end of every single fast, I say to them, 
They, they actually say it to me now at the end of the fast. We know all you need is a cup of coffee and you can fast another day. Right? So you just you feel that great. You just need to, you're thirsty. You're just thirsty. You're just, you just need, you need to satisfy that, that itch, that thirst. So that's what we're supposed to feel in terms of a desire to be close to Hashem. I'm just, I'm thirsty. I have an itch. I need to scratch it. I need to get close to Hashem. Korban is A korban is the sacrifice, it's the gesture, it's the action that will yield a sense of closeness. So here with this word, the Torah has opened up for us the whole window into how we can feel close to Hashem. How can you scratch that itch? How can you satisfy that thirst? How can we... Can we achieve that goal of feeling close? Our parsha begins with the word that describes God summoning Moshe. How does God call out to Moshe? That word kriya means a desire to be close. Right? That's not achieved through a text message. It's not achieved through instant messenger. It's not achieved through... Uh, uh, email, it's not achieved through, uh, it's not even achieved through a phone call. A Kriya is, I, I want to feel close to you. When can, we be, when can we get together? When can we be in person? When can we have human contact? When can we feel close? To call out is to say, Vayikra is when can we get together? Right? If I'm somewhere and I call out, you know, Yecheve, please come here. So it's, could be I need a cup of water, but it could be, it's I, I want to feel close. I want to tell you something. I want to be, you know, I want to be close. When you call to someone, you're asking that person to come to you. So when God calls Moshe and says, God calls Moshe. Now notice it could have just said, God spoke to Moshe in the Oomoid. Why is it that he began? That's what, the, that's what Rav Chaim Kohn is, is noticing. It doesn't just say, God, called, God spoke to Moshe in the Oomoid. It says, God summoned Moshe. God wanted to be close to Moshe. He called Moshe, come, be close. I want to connect. I want to be together. I want to spend time. I want to communicate. I want to bond. It's different from, that God spoke to Moshe. Or, means, I want to tell you something. Vayomer means, here's the content of what I'm telling you. Vayikra is not about what I'm saying. It's about the desire to connect through communication. Right? So Vayidaber and Vayomer. Vayidaber means, I got to tell you something. Vayomer, here's what I'm telling you. But Vayikra means, having nothing to do with the content of what I'm going to say, I want to be close by communicating. I want to be close by not communicating. You know? You go to a restaurant today, so young people you see think they think they're spending time together, but they're both on their phones opposite mm-hmm. one another. Right? It's what psychologists call absent presence. They think they're together, they're not together at all. So don't look at the young people in the restaurant. But turn your attention to an older couple at the restaurant who sit there quietly, barely exchanging a word for the whole meal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And and younger people would be totally uncomfortable mm-hmm. with the uncomfortable silence. But the older couple have been together so long that they're just happy being in each other's presence. They don't need to force a conversation. They don't need to fill the void with, uh, with words. Just being together is, is satisfying and is comfortable for them. So that's Vayikra. Vayikra is, come close. I want to be with you. Forget what I want to tell you. 
Forget exactly the content of the communication, but I want to be close to you. So Vayikra speaks to the, the goal to be close between the two. So Rashi, on the opening word of our Pasha, of this third book of the Torah, says that Vayikra is Lashon Chiba. The word Vayikra is a, a language of affection. Because within my calling you is hidden a great love, a great desire to be close. If I call you and I say, when can we do coffee? When can we get together? What did you, and then you say, what did you have to talk about? Nothing. I just haven't seen you in a long time. Right? That's, so if I, say to you, if I text you and say, did you hear that such and such? Or are you going to the thing? Or I text you, whatever. So the goal was to communicate information. But if I say to you, when can we get together? And you say, what do you want to talk about? Nothing. I have no agenda. I just haven't seen you in a while and I miss you. I just want to get together. So that is the most beautiful expression of affection, of connection. Sometimes you communicate because there's an agenda and sometimes communication is just the means to feel connected. To feel connected. So what you see is even before God um, expressed this desire to feel close, Haramuza b'milam adam kiyakar mikem karban Hashem. So God says, you know how you can feel close to me? Bring a korban. Adam, you want to fulfill your purpose in creation? You want to feel like a ben adam? You want to be adam arishon? You want to be a true person? So, when you're willing to sacrifice, compromise, give, be a giver, not a taker. A korban, that's how you feel close. But even before God gave us that formula, Even before God delivered the mechanism through which to feel close, he already expressed that he reciprocates the desire to feel close. Just saying the word, Vayikra, come, when are we getting together? I miss you. I want to spend time with you. Where have you been? Before telling us then how to come close, just the call, just the summoning, Vayikra is an expression of love. Omek gadol ganaz b'milazu, there's great depth hidden in this word, uveetzem heyosa shorish. this is the root, the hapsiach l'chol avodas, Hakarbanos. This word Vayikra, which we gloss over, which we fly right by to get into Sefer Vayikra, but this opening word, and therefore the title of the entire book, says it all. Which you already have a hint. If this third book of the Torah is all about the laws and the details of Karbanos and how to achieve a closeness with God, it all is hidden in the word Vayikra. In God's affectionate call, let's be close. I miss you. When are we getting together? Yeah, well, we'll see in a moment that maybe that's why the Aleph is small. Where are you going? What happened? Rabbi, yeah. I just want to share from all of us. When you created with your wife this class, it was a call to all of us. I want to get closer. I want to be more involved. I want to share with you in a much more intimate way. And we are all... I Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. From one Yocheva to another Yocheva. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate Thank you. Okay, we're on top of page two now. HaKarbanos heim bakashas ha'eskarva shalano el Hashem yizbarach. The Karbanos are our request. It's our gesture to Hashem. I really want to feel close to you. I want to feel you in my life. V'ulam b'yisod kol ha'esor shalano el Hashem. However, Within the um, desire to feel close, Genuza Bakasha Amuko Pnimis Yoser. There's an even deeper yearning. 
So in other words, we talk about the idea that we want to get close to Hashem. I need God in my life. Having God in my life relieves the stress and the anxiety. Having God in my life um, um, helps me overcome anger. Having God in my life, all of the benefits that we've talked about. In fact, Shlomo Zalman Orbach, Zetzal, in the Sefer Halicha Shlomo, he writes, you know, we have a principle, When the month of Adar enters, we increase our sense of joy. There's a whole discussion when you have two Adars, does it apply to both? Or only the Adar that Purim falls in? Fine. And you'll note that it doesn't say, in Adar you have Simcha, and in Av, where you have Tisha B'av, you don't have Simcha. It doesn't say that. The Mishnah says that in Av, in the month of Av, you limit the joy, and in Adar, you promote the joy. That means that Simcha, joy, has to always be present. I once saw... Joy is like a pilot light. Sometimes you turn up the knob and it fl- the flame is going strong. And other times it's more appropriate to lower the flame and it's, it's diminished. In the month of Av, where we mourn the tragic loss of the two temples and the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Holocaust and all of the Jewish tragedies through the ages, so we turn down the knob because it would be inappropriate to be joyful and celebrating. But on the other hand, we don't extinguish it because you can't be alive. If you don't have joy, you're not alive. So there must always be a pilot light of joy. There's a silver lining even to the darkest moments. There's joy. A little pilot light of joy. But in Adar, you fan that flame. It's roaring. It's light. It's illuminating. We're supposed to feel joy. So what does it mean? You tell a lot more jokes. You laugh a lot. You watch comedies instead of dramas. What does it mean? So there's an element of, right, you know, our kids in school every day now, it's funny hat day, it's funny this day, it's costume day, it's that day. It's, it's just a notion of you're happier, it's joyful. It's, and isn't it a great thing that we have this in our calendar? Right, if you did it all year wrong, it would be meaningless because then it's not special. So, but the idea that we have a month that we say, you know what, make a particular effort to be happy, to be happy. And uh, there's a lot we could talk about, about this, but, um, but it's for another time. But I'll just tell you, Shlomo Zalman Arbach says... The Mishanichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, when Adar comes in, we have more joy, does not mean that we tell more jokes or we laugh more. He says what it means is that we make a greater effort, we make a greater effort to not feel stress or anxiety and to realize that Hashem is involved in our life. It means the other months of the year, you get stressed out. Of course, you're working on this all year round, but, but in Adar, in Adar you say, whatever happened is meant to be. Marbim Besimcha. What is Simcha? Whenever the Torah uses the term Simcha, it's always in association with the words Lifnei Hashem. Rasalavetri pointed this out. Where do you feel Simcha? Lifnei Hashem Elokecha. Simcha is when you know you're in the presence of God. When you're in touch with something so much greater than yourself. When you understand that there's meaning, purpose, and order to the universe, that God has a plan for every one of us, that all that happens is good, then you're supposed Simcha. Whatever happens, good. Okay, you ruptured your Achilles, they'll tie it back together. Big deal. Big deal, it's good. It's meant to be. I'm serious. You know, our classes of Amuna have helped me. When it happened, you know, you're bummed out. Okay, you know, it's a long uh, healing process, but okay, big deal. It's a nuisance. There's people with real problems. So it's a nuisance. Big deal. And it's what's meant to be for you. It's what's meant to be for you. I don't want to embarrass him, but, you know, Rabbi Barchayim, we should have a Shlema. He just blows my mind. His, his Amuna is unbelievable. He's an incredibly special person. He's, um, he's in treatment for, uh, for cancer. But Baruch Hashem is doing well. He has, a, he has a great prognosis and he's doing well. And everyone should continue to daven for him. He's an amazing person. So 
you know, each time I talk to him, and, and when I visited with him, he tells me, Hashem is amazing, I'm so grateful he sent me this, this has awakened the Amuna in me, and this is what, he said, it's good, because this is, what, if I have this, it means this is what I needed. Isn't Hashem amazing? He gave me what I needed. Absolutely. Right, so some people say that, because, you know, they want you to repeat that they said that, or they want you to give them after Yona, or honor them at the dinner, but Rabbi Bachayim is such a humble person. Right, oh, he just meant that, he meant it, it was the most sincere thing in the world. So that attitude that, if you realize that there's a Hashem in the world, and that he's got a master plan, then you're besimcha. Mar ben besimcha. Your whole life is filled with much more joy. Because whatever he throws at you, whatever comes your way, you may not be happy about it, may not be easy, may be painful, but it's good. Bad things don't happen to good people. Painful things happen to good people. God decides what's good or bad. Bad things don't happen to good people. Painful things happen to good people. We all got an incredible Muslim schmooze about this last night from an unlikely place. But whatever your politics, and I'm not making a comment about any particular uh, candidate, but when Marco Rubio, yeah. right, whose whole life for the last year mm-hmm. was dedicated to this uh, run for presidency, and his whole and ego, and his whole reputation, his whole right, and he's out of the Senate, and who knows what will be next for him, and it's, it's frankly, it's humiliating to be shellacked in your home state. It's absolutely humiliating. And he could have stood up there and he could have blamed this one, he could have blamed that one, he could have been filled with anger, mm-hmm. could have been filled with hate, could have been filled with blame, could have been filled with resentment. Instead, he said, quote, quote, God is perfect, God makes no mistakes, and he has things planned for all of us. I remain grateful to God. Mm-hmm. Really? Right? It was unbelievable. And then he went on to close his speech by saying, and now I want to pray to God. And he's quoted from Vayivarach David. Mm-hmm. If you dive in this morning, he quoted the same words that you said. He said, I want to quote from King David. And he quoted from Vayivarach David. God is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. He's got a plan for every one of us. And therefore, I am still grateful to God. Can you imagine what a feeling of disappointment? What a feeling of failure, of humiliation, of embarrassment. And with all that, instead of anger and resentment and blame, he stood up there and he said, God is perfect. With a big smile. God doesn't make mistakes. If this is what he determined, this is what's right. And he's got a plan for every one of us. I, I thought it was the most powerful Musa schmooze. It was unbelievable. And that's what Rosh Hashanah was saying. The Mishnah Adar Marben Besimcha does not mean that you tell more jokes or you laugh more or you tickle each other. Mishnah Adar Marben Besimcha means that you work harder on being Besimcha. That God is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. And whatever came your way, whatever challenge, difficulty, painful thing happens, it's what's best. It's what's meant. It's for a reason. It's a relief to know it's for a reason. I always say that, I don't know, I don't know how you get through life if you're an atheist. To think that everything's just random and chance and nature, and now you've got to deal with the hardship in your life to think that you're just a statistic or a piece of data of nature, I don't know how you get through that day. But to know that whatever happened was meant to be. Everything is by design. It's meant to be. There's a reason. You'll be better. You'll be stronger. It's what's meant to be, as painful as it is, as difficult as it is to swallow, as bitter as it may be. But to have the relief to know that there's an omnipotent, perfect, infinite being who's ordained that this is what was meant to be. That brings a sense of relief. It doesn't take away the pain or the suffering or the anguish or the challenge, but it brings a relief. And that's basimcha. That's the simcha that we're capable of feeling. Hashem is perfect. Hashem doesn't make mistakes. Hashem has a plan for every one of us. Even when we fail, even when we're disappointed, we nevertheless always have to be grateful to Hashem. As I zucked Marco Rubio. So the... Uh, so, so Rav Chaim Kohn, the Chalban continues. So right, so within this, we're at the bold line, the third line on the second page. 
Hakriya shel Hakadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe. God calling out to Moshe. He baomka kriya pnimis vaamuka lechol klal Yisrael. Lavolis karev l'Hashem Yisbarach. When we read these words in shul, when you're mar basedra, you're reading the parsha, you're getting ready for Shabbos, and you read these words, the opening words of our parsha, Vayikra Hashem Moshe, that God called Moshe. Says Rav Chaim Kohn, don't read it. God called Moshe. Read it Vayikra that God just called you and said, when can we have coffee? I miss you. I miss you. So, in other words, it's an amazing thing. Before you get to the part of the parsha that talks about my craving to connect to Hashem, is already God craving to connect to me. You ever call or text your friend, your spouse, and you say, we haven't spent time. Can, can we do lunch? You say, it's so funny. I was about to call you and say the same thing. So that's it. Before Adam Kiyakar of Mikem, before we call Hashem and say, hey Hashem, I want to bring a korban, I want to feel close, even before that, Vayikra Hashem, God's already calling us and says, when can we do coffee? I miss you. I don't have an agenda. There's nothing I want to talk about. I just want to feel connected. I just miss you. God summoning, calling us, saying, when can we have coffee, is His affection, His love for us. Knesset Yisrael, His Jewish people. Klalos Nishmos Yisrael. Every Jewish soul, a spark, an extension of Himself. Right, long before uh, Simcha Liner. Yes, yeah. we're learning. Yeah. Believe it or not, Simcha Liner did not make up those words. They're from Shlomo Amelach, Shir Hashirim. So in the fifth chapter of Shir Hashirim, Shlomo Amelach says, The voice of my beloved is knocking. Open up for me. All of these different descriptions, these my Tamim. God is knocking on our door. In Sefer Vayikra, the theme of the book of Vayikra is God knocking on Moshe's door. Vayikra, God's knocking. I miss you. I want to spend time. Where are you? And he has been knocking through each and every generation. In Shirashirim, Shlomo HaMelech said, God is knocking. Rabbi Salavechik, thousands of years after Shlomo HaMelech, Wrote his book, Koldo Didofake, in 1956. Mm-hmm. We're just yeah. learning that. We just oh, yeah? got rats. We got rats. Unbelievable sense. Yes. So, unbelievable. so in 1956, Rabbi Soloveitchik said, so the five knocks of Hashem, mm-hmm. Koldo Didofake, mm-hmm. that after the Holocaust with the state of Israel, God knocked on our door. So throughout the generations, throughout our history, collectively and individually, God is knocking on our door. Vayikra. The voice of God that called out to Moshe and said, When can we do coffee? I miss you, is still ringing, reverberating in the souls of every Jew. That expression of affection and love. Pasuk and Mishlei says, You know, when you look into water, you see a reflection of yourself. So to a person's heart. When you look into someone else's heart, you see the reflection of your heart. So first God says, I miss you, when can we do coffee? And then we reciprocate, I miss you too. How can I get close to you, God? I really want you in my life. I want to see you as perfect and all-knowing, and that everything is from you, and that you don't make mistakes, and that whatever's happening in my life, it's not only because, not only are you not absent, you are ever-present. Vayikra. So God called Moshe. So it's amazing. That opening word, the name of the Sefer, that we gloss over, we dismiss, we get up to the Adam Kiyakar of Mikem, 
we rush to talk about how we can get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we skip over God's gesture, His knock, His call, His desire to feel close to us. Have you Let's go two more minutes. I never get anywhere I want to get in this class. It's okay. It's wonderful. Man. We did a paragraph. Okay. Have you Omer? HaShorosh L'chol HaChishek V'Aratan L'Zgar V'Lashem Yisbarach Hu'etzim HaTshuka Sh'Hakadosh Baruch Hu Eleinu So what he's saying here is at the root, at the core, how can you stimulate your desire to get close to Hashem? The way to stimulate your desire to get close to Hashem is to reflect on the fact that Hashem has a desire to be close to you. How do you motivate yourself to want to be close to Hashem? To be mindful and cognizant that Hashem is waiting to get close to you. That He wants to get close to you. He loves us. You know, it's such a tragedy that Christianity stole from us. I can't blame them, actually, because we just abandoned it to them. Mm-hmm. But the idea, you know, they have bumper stickers, Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. Well, God loves us. Mm-hmm. Like, we Jews don't talk the way we're supposed to talk. Mm-hmm. We should be part of our vocabulary to talk about God loves us. I just, in, with the men, or after the 745 million Wednesday mornings, we do Sharon Betfila. So I spoke about this morning, Sharon Betfila, just a few minutes ago, the idea of Vanit Fila. David Melch says, I am a walking prayer. Because his whole day was animated with prayer. He was dominating every moment of every day. And I said, you know, isn't it sad when I speak to evangelical pastors and work together on the pro-Israel stuff, you know how often Christians will use the language to you of, you know, I wasn't sure what to do, so I prayed on it, or we're not sure what to do. Let's pray. Let's pray together for a moment. Maybe God will give us clarity what we should do. I'm always like taking a little bit of back, and I say, that's unbelievable. We would never talk like that. As Jews, we'd be so shy or so embarrassed, so reluctant to ever talk like that. As from as we are, as total Jews as we are, as much as we wear a yarmulke in public, would we ever talk to somebody? Imagine you're in a business setting and you say to your partner, making a difficult decision what to do, and you say, let's pray on it. Let's ask God for some clarity about what to do. The other person would probably be inspired, but we would never do it. Yet they do it all the time. We've lost the language of the Jewish people, the language of prayer, the language of God. So that's also true here, that we've lost this, uh, this language that God loves us. God loves us very, very much. He wants to be close to us. He calls out to us. He speaks to us in the depths of our own hearts. To get close to Him. To cling to Him, to rely with Him, to stick to Him. Like Marco Rubio, to know that He is perfect and that He has a plan for every one of us. And that He doesn't make mistakes and whatever is happening is meant to be. And that there is a greater meaning and purpose and order to the universe. But here's the amazing thing. God can't do it. Only we can in this relationship. Because He's invisible. Because He feels like He's at a distance. He can't initiate. Only we can. Only we can. And when we take that small step, He more than meets us halfway. He more than meets us halfway. So we need to know that He's longing for that connection. He's longing for that loving embrace. He's longing for that rendezvous. But he can't send the text message. Only we can initiate. And he responds to us. But we have to know that he loves us and that he wants to be close to us. The sound of God is hidden in the um, orifices of our heart. There's a voice which is calling, a beloved voice, a sweet voice. This voice pushes us. I believe it's the Pintal Yid. It's the Jewish spark in every one of us. 
Why do we have an intuition of right from wrong, of good from bad? Why do we have this human intuition of a moral compass? Why do we all feel connected ultimately if we pull away the layers of baggage from our lives? There is an inner um, default knowledge that there's something greater than ourselves and a greater purpose to the universe. That's that voice which is still reverberating inside of us. That's the Vayikra that God called out, that He summoned, that He initiated. And He's waiting for us to respond. We have to know, on page 3, We have to know that at the core of this awakening, at the core of this thirst, so kind of the prerequisite, the first stage of our drawing close to Hashem is being aware and mindful that Hashem wants to be close to us. It's not one way. It's a two-way relationship and we should feel His love in our lives. And feeling His love in our lives will motivate us to want to feel close and to take the steps necessary to feel close to Him. We're out of time, but if we would have continued, he goes on to explain why you have now the small Aleph. The difference between Vayikra and Vayikar. With Bilam it says Vayikar with no Aleph. With Moshe, it's Vayikra with an Aleph. Why is it Vayikar with no Aleph? We read it Vayikra, but it's Vayikar, there's no Aleph, when God speaks to Bilam. Because what's the root of the word Vayikar? Mikra. Mikra, Keri, means, what's Mikra? Happenstance. Chance. Randomness. Bilam, it was happenstance, it was chance, God happened to cross Bilam. As opposed to Vayikra, which is an affectionate call. When can we do coffee? I want to see you. I want to be connected to you. You know, you could be in Starbucks and you run into somebody and the nudnik chews off your ear. That's Vayikar. You happened upon them in Starbucks when you were trying to get out of there. And then there's the person that you texted. I have no agenda. I have nothing to talk to you about. I just miss you. Can we meet at Starbucks? With Bilam, Vayikar. He happened to run into him. With Moshe, it's Vayikra. God calls out and says, I miss you. When can we get together? This, by the way, this Vayikar, this Mikra, tomorrow or this Shabbos we read Pasha Zohar, the only part of the Torah that's, that's right. biblically mandated to hear. So I have to limp into shul or go in a wheelchair or something. But Vayikra, what, what's, what's, uh, what does it say with Amalek when they attacked us? Asher Karcha Baderach. What is Asher Karcha Baderach? Rashi quotes three opinions. One is Asher Karcha is Milashon Kor, cold water. We were on fire. We came away from Harsinai like a girl out of seminary in Israel. We were on fire. We were so spiritual, so inspired. We were like a Baal Tshuva who just walked out of the Discovery Seminar. We were on fire. And what did Amalek do? Amalek came upon us. And Ashakar they said, hey, you really buy these Bible codes? It's all garbage. It's all not true. You really buying this religion? Let me tell you about that rabbi. He's a fake. He's a fraud. Ah, oh, you're really so inspired? It's stupid. It's all uh, counterfeit. He splashed cold water on us when we were on fire. That's the first interpretation Rashi has. But the second is, Asher Kor Chabaderach is Lashon Mikra. The philosophy of Amalek is, there's no God. There's no meaning or purpose. There's no God as perfect who has a mission for all of us and he doesn't make mistakes. It's randomness. You're just a piece of data. You're just a statistic. Everything is just chance. That's the philosophy of Amalek. And our mission, Zachor, the Shabbos, when we read Zachor of Amalek and the obligation of Tishkach to destroy Amalek, the mission is to destroy that philosophy that we continue to struggle with. 
There's a piece of us that says, am I going through this because God, or is this just chance? Did I tear my Achilles by chance, or was it planned? Am I struggling with Shalom Bayis? Am I struggling with Parnassah? Am I struggling with my children? Am I struggling with whatever? Is it just chance? Is it randomness? We have Amalek inside us, and we have to eradicate that philosophy, that attitude of Amalek. That's Lashem Keri. It says in, uh, in the Tochacha, that God says, if you walk with me with Keri, God says, you walk with me with Keri, I'll walk with you with Keri. In other words, God says, if you approach your life thinking everything's just chance, you've erased me from your life, no problem. I'll pull back and you'll in fact be a function of chance. You will in fact be a function of nature. Good luck to you with the natural world and the natural order, says God. You knock me out, no problem. I'll watch from a distance. So our job as Jews... As, as faithful human beings, not only Jews, as humans of any faith, is to say that we don't believe in happenstance and chance. We don't observe the philosophy of Amalek. We remember and then we erase Amalek from our lives. Instead, Vayikra. God is calling out to us and we reciprocate that love and affection and we yearn to feel close to Him. So yes? Why is it a small person. So the Balaturim says, because Moshe was a humble person, and he didn't want it to look like, well, Bilam God chanced upon, but Moshe, I'm so special, God called out to me. So Moshe wanted it to say Vayikar for him, and God insisted, no, it would have to say Vayikra. So they compromised Moshe's humility, they wrote the small Aleph. That's the Balaturim's answer. It's a differentiator. The Kliyakra gives a different answer. If we would have continued here, you'll see that the Chaban of Chaim Kohn explains that more along the lines. <laughs> yeah, along the lines of what we were just talking about. Vayikra is to call. So why is the Aleph small within the lotion of to call? You'll see he, he explains it a lot more beautifully. Take it with you. You'll see he explains it more beautifully. Have a wonderful week, everybody.